name of the one true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, over the last two weeks, Luke's Gospel has instructed us concerning two miracles that Jesus performed in His earthly life and ministry. First, we saw that Jesus healed a centurion's slave who was sick to the point of death. And then second, we saw Jesus actually raise a young boy from the dead. And as we know, these miracles are written for us as evidence, as facts, if you will, of the Christian faith. These extraordinary events are written, as the Scriptures say in St. John's Gospel, that we may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And today, my friends, we arrive at what really is the heart of the matter for for all of humanity. You see, as awesome as these miracles are, and they are awesome, and as critical as these miracles are, and they are critical for establishing the identity of Jesus as the Son of God, they actually serve an even greater purpose. These miracles, you see, they're meant to prepare us They're meant to prepare us for an even deeper work of God in Christ Jesus. They are meant to prepare us for forgiveness. They're meant to prepare us for forgiveness. Because you see, the ultimate purpose of Jesus' ministry is that we might actually be reconciled to God. That we might actually be reconciled to one another. That relationships which are now broken might actually be restored and renewed and made whole and complete again. Now, before I go any further in this sermon, I need to stop right here and to establish something that I think sets the tone for everything else that I might have to say or that God might speak through me this morning. You see, if we, if we do not believe, if we don't believe that broken fellowship with God is the central concern in this world, then there's really nothing else I can say that will make a difference. And in fact, we might as well just read nursery rhymes or something to one another. If we don't believe that broken fellowship with God is the root of the problems that we deal with in human history, then there's nothing else that we can say. But maybe I could suggest something else to you. Would you believe that God believes that broken fellowship with Him is the root of problem of human history? Would you believe that God believes that broken fellowship with Him is the root of the problems that we have in human history? In fact, my friends... This is why God sent Jesus into the world. And because Jesus is the one who alone has the power to change the human heart, I'd like to start this sermon just a little bit differently, if I may. I'd like to pause right now and and to pray for us. I'd like to invite Jesus to move in the words that I might say for the rest of this message so that He might reveal Himself to us and deal with us in the way that He wants to. So will you pause with me for a moment of prayer? Lord Jesus Christ, on behalf of this congregation, I invite you into this message. I pray that under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, you will reveal yourself to us and have your way with us. And then in particular, Lord Jesus, if any one of us anywhere is trying to hide any unforgiveness in our heart that you would bring it to the light. 
and that you, by your divine merits and mercy, would deal with it so that our consciences would be clean and we, like the sinful woman, could leave this place in peace. Would you inhabit this message and do that for us by the power of your name, I pray. Amen. My friends, as we enter the Scriptures this morning, we come upon a very curious scene where a Pharisee has invited Jesus into his home. The Pharisee wants to share a meal with Jesus, and yet somehow this uninvited guest has also entered the house. She's not even given a name. We're only told that she is a sinful woman. The text tells us that she stands behind Jesus. In other words, she's too ashamed, too embarrassed, too afraid to even look Him in the face, so she stands behind Him. And she begins to shed many tears in His presence. In fact, she begins to wet His feet with her, with her tears, we're told. And then, crouching to the ground, in a very poignant and powerful display of humility, she stoops over and she begins to wipe Jesus' feet with her own hair. With her own hair. And then, bending even lower, she starts to kiss His feet. To kiss the very feet of the Son of God. And she pours expensive perfume over them. My friends, are you with me in the story? Can you imagine the woman in your mind's eye right now as she bends low before the feet of the Son of God and wipes them with her hair and kisses them with her feet. Now at best, this is a very uncomfortable scene. I suppose if we ourselves were among the invited guests at this dinner party, we might find it at least a little bit disturbing to our sensibilities. And I suspect we would find ourselves not knowing quite what to do how to respond, what to say, what to do. Well, rather remarkably, the, the Pharisee, he, he thinks he knows how to handle the situation, right? The Pharisee, it's his home, and Jesus is his guest, so he decides he's going to take charge of the situation. And he boldly, and please note the sarcasm here, he boldly begins to murmur under his breath. Well, if that guy were a prophet... He would know what sort of woman this is. He would know that she's a sinner if that guy were a prophet. He must not really be a prophet because he would know who's touching him. He would know what kind of woman she is. He would know that she is a sinner. And now what has become a very awkward dinner party, our eyes begin to turn with Jesus as he fixes his gaze upon this murmuring Pharisee, and we stare in shock as Jesus begins to address him, wondering what Jesus will now say to him. And Jesus says to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Two people owed money to a certain lender. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now I ask you, Simon, the Pharisee, which one will love him more? And Simon sheepishly replies, well, I suppose the one to whom he forgave more. You have judged correctly, Jesus said to Simon, the sheepish Pharisee. 
Meanwhile, my friends, you remember that sinful woman, right? She's been lying there at Jesus' feet the whole time that this exchange between Jesus and the Pharisee has been taking place. She is desperate to be dignified, isn't she? She has literally thrown herself at Jesus' feet and now all she can do is wait. What will happen next? What will Jesus now say? What will Jesus now do? Because if the Pharisee is right, then she indeed has no hope. But then it happens. Jesus turns toward her. And as He turns toward her, He begins to speak back to Simon. Simon, you gave me no water for my feet, but she wet my feet with tears and wiped them with her hair. Simon, you did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time that I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Simon, you did not pour oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, Simon, I tell you this, her sins are forgiven. Her great love has shown this, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And then looking directly at the woman, Jesus does in fact dignify her. He speaks those words of freedom to her. He says to her, woman, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. And now, my friends, that I have preached to you for a moment, may I also speak with you for a few moments. Let's get to the heart of the matter and deal with the very real issue of unforgiveness. Some of us may be living with a very troubled conscience right now. Let me repeat that. Some of us may be living with a very troubled conscience right now. Some of us need to know that we are, in fact, forgiven by God. We need to hear those words of forgiveness like the sinful woman. We need Jesus to speak over us. You are forgiven. You see, I need to tell you something. God is going to allow your conscience to remain troubled until He deals with or you let Him deal with the unforgiveness that's in your in your life because that's how much He loves us. He will continue to allow your conscience to remain troubled until He deals with the unforgiveness that's in our lives because Jesus' very ministry is the ministry of reconciliation which at its heart deals with forgiveness. So my friends, if that's you and you need to hear those words of God, forgiveness of God in Christ Jesus, there's only one thing to do And that is become like the woman. Run after Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. Press through every difficult and overwhelming circumstance until you are with Him. And then don't leave Him. Stay with Him. No matter the lies the devil begins to speak to you, no matter the words of condemnation that you may hear from the voices that are around you, your one job is to become like the woman. And stay at Jesus' feet and hear those words of forgiveness. How many times do we live in self-loathing and self-condemnation? In a sense, playing God. God can't forgive me. It's too great. I've done too much. It's too bad. It's too awful. Who are you? Who am I to play God? 
run to him, fall at his feet, and remain with him through every troubled and trying circumstances until he issues those beautiful, freeing, liberating, healing words, your sins are forgiven. Others of us may have a troubled conscience, but it's for a quite different reason. Perhaps this morning we're a little bit more like the Pharisee than the woman. And that is to say that we've gotten just enough religion to be dangerous. We've forgotten that the religion and all of the rules are there to repair the relationship, not to rip it apart. And Jesus wants to deal with that too. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about the broken relationships that are in my own life, and especially the ones that involve unforgiveness, I find that I'm deeply, deeply affected by them. My mind loops through them over and over again because there's no resolution, there is no peace, and perhaps I'm just preaching to myself right now. My emotions will often get bent out of shape. I become frustrated, angry, anxious, even depressed. My heart is restless within me because things just aren't right. And sometimes I even take that frustration out on other people. I displace it. I misplace it because of another relationship somewhere else that's broken and unreconciled. Sometimes I might even feel physical pain over it. My eye may twitch. My back may get tight. Sometimes even perhaps shortness of breath. And then, maybe you know something about this. There's the lack of sleep. That because my brain won't settle, because my heart won't settle, sleep is restless if it exists at all. I simply can't let it go. Oh, I can avoid it. I can put it off. I can try to run from it. I can try to hide from it. I can try to bury it. I can try to drown it. I can try to talk to anybody else about it. But until I've dealt with it, there is no peace. In fact, I'll be even more transparent with you. Because if you haven't caught on, sermons are not just about theory. They're about practice. And, and maybe God just took me through this situation just recently so I would not stand up here and say, do as I say, not as I do. But by His grace, I would be with us a living example of what His grace looks like if we allow it into our lives. You see, a very old and deep wound just recently resurfaced in my life. It brings me to tears to think about it because of all the brokenness that it's caused in other relationships. I could have continued to avoid it. I could have continued to deny it. I could have continued to be like the Pharisee, blaming that other sinful person in my life. But given this particular opportunity, along with a benevolent and loving and charitable and patient wife and the counsel of a clergy friend who I called as I was on my way, headed toward the situation, not knowing how to deal with it, whose advice, by the way, I didn't necessarily want to hear at the time because he said, pray about it. It's funny now. <laughs> but, but you can imagine, and maybe you can imagine because you've experienced it yourself in some way, the anxiety that might ratchet up, the anger that might rise to the surface in your heart and your mind. God, I don't want to do this. 
I don't want to do this. So I finally, after allowing him to counsel me a few minutes longer because I didn't really want to pray about it, I finally hung up the phone and I started to pray. And instantly God spoke to me. Instantly God said to me, He who loves his life on this earth will lose it. But he who's willing to give up his life on this earth will save it for all of eternity. And I knew exactly what that meant. Because I knew that's exactly what Jesus had done for me. He laid down his life that I would be reconciled to God. And in that moment, he was giving me the opportunity to lay down my life just like him. To experience forgiveness and reconciliation. So I I walked into the house. I had no idea what would happen. And remarkably, not much did happen. There weren't any fireworks. We didn't even talk about forgiveness per se. But we sat down and we had a conversation. And it had been 10 years since I'd spoken to this man. I don't know what God's going to do with that. But I know what God has done with that. And that is He's opened up the opportunity for forgiveness to happen again. The words weren't spoken. But the relationship began to be reconciled so that one day it might be restored And that's on God's time and that's in God's hand. But I had to do my part. And so friends, I think there's one thing that I can say at the end of this message this morning. And that is simply this. How do you want to leave here today? In a certain amount of time, we're going to walk out of these doors and we're going to walk back into that world. And we can either go back into that world like the Pharisee, telling Jesus what to do, what we think ought to happen, or we can go back into the world like that sinful woman, clinging to Jesus for dear life, pressing through every trial, every trouble, every difficult circumstances, and in the places where God is calling us to, laying down our lives like Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. Because it's not a matter of if God is going to show up. It's just a matter of when He's going to show up. And then it's simply a matter of how are we going to respond? Are we going to invite Him into our house and then show Him the door? Or are we going to run after him and lay at his feet until he declares forgiveness? How do you want to leave here today? How do you want to leave here today? Do you know that the centerpiece of our service is confession? Confession is not good for the soul. Confession is necessary for the soul. How do you want to leave here today? When we make our humble confession to Almighty God, with truly contrite and repentant and penitent hearts, we will then know the words of freedom that He will declare over us. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. How do you want to leave here today? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.